The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. I have, uh, I have two new records in this last year since I've been away. The first one was last fall where I wore a suit for two days in a row. That was one record. And then just a couple weeks ago, I had a new record where I wore two different suits for two days in a row. That was my new record. So, oh, man. I don't know if you guys still have a barefoot tradition here, but uh, I'm, I'm all about bringing it back if you don't. So there was a season there where Artisan was known as the Barefoot Church, uh, I think on the RIT campus. Uh, or anyway, who cares? Well, hippie church was used at times as well. Uh, hey, good to be with you guys. Uh, for those who have no idea who I am, we said a little bit before, but <laughs> I have the longest job title in the world that I will share with you only because these are family friends and you guys will not take me too seriously. So it's not because I you know, need pats on the back for this. But my, my job title now is I've left Artisan as you guys have sent me off, uh, lovingly, thankfully, uh, to be the Associate Superintendent and Director of Church Planting and Congregational Vitality for the East Coast Conference of the Evangelical Covenant Church. <laughs> but you guys can still call me Jason, that's okay. Uh, but in this new role, I was, I was thinking, what the heck can I speak on and preach on here? Uh, I get a lot of chances to, to preach at different churches, but I do it from a somewhat non-pastoral place, which is odd for me. And here I am coming back to a place where I used to be a pastor, but I'm now, let's be honest, I'm no longer your pastor. You got good pastors. Uh, This is no longer my congregation. But it's, as Lisa and I were driving here, we said, this should feel weirder. But we haven't been away long enough for there to be nostalgia. So we started feeling weird that it didn't feel weird. And it got very meta around the cat skills, you know. It was was odd. Um, But in my travels... I've seen some things. Uh, I've seen lots of things. Things you wouldn't want to see. Things you might want to see. And it seemed like there might be some things to bring from that, uh, as well as Scripture. We'll definitely land in God's Word today. Um, But in my role as director of church planting, uh, from Maine to Virginia and the eastern edge of New York State and Pennsylvania, so uh, pretty big swath there, I get to be at a lot of different startup churches much like Artisan was some six, seven years ago, that are all different stripes, all different kinds. Some uh, rather laid back, reserved. I could relate to a few of you guys here. Uh, some unbelievably energetic. Just, you know, you get tired just being near them. Um, if, if you're like some of us in this room. Uh, all different cultures. We got most of English speaking, you know, most of them. But some uh, kind of go a little bilingual with some Spanish in there. Have a Korean congregation that's mostly second-generation Korean students, like Berkeley School of Music, stuff like that. In the Boston area, that's a cool congregation. I have a Sudanese, Dinka language tribe, Sudanese church plant in, of all places, Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, so just fascinating. And, every, and different styles of music and leadership and sizes. Some, you know, kind of low birth weight when they started. And, you know, they're still... 
getting going, and hopefully they'll make it. And others were very large babies, kind of Austin-sized babies. Uh, <laughs> you know, just huge heads and large bodies and can't buy hats for them. And they just keep getting bigger and bigger. And whenever I'm at those churches, there's all kinds of questions I could ask and things that are unique about them, but there's always one question that's more important than any others when I'm at those church plants. Another smaller part of my role uh, in, in my superintendent, who I absolutely love working with, Howard Burgoyne. Howard Burgoyne. Uh, he and I split the workload of congregational vitality. And that's where you go into a congregation that uh, is a little more established, sometimes a lot more established. And they've come to a place where they need to re-engage you know, whatever mission and health and vitality they once had has either slipped or disappeared or, or something like that, and to help them back on that path. And those, man, those are all across the, the gamut as well. Contemporary styles, uh, they tend to be, I'll be honest, they tend to be a little older than this crew here and most of the church plants I work with. Uh, but everything from, you know, braided belts and khakis to suits and ties and uh, the pastor's I haven't been to a barefoot one just yet. Uh, but business casual, suit and tie, robe, vestment, all that stuff. Different sizes. Some that are still relatively young, you know, less than 20, 30, 40 years old. And one that I preached at a month and a half ago or so that was begun in 1763-ish, somewhere in there. So before this was a country. Um, you know, so they, they had everything going, like 10 years into it, things are going smoothly, and then there's literally a revolution. Uh, that will change things up. <laughs> you talk about church revolutions, they had one. But in these churches as well, there's lots of ways I could ask questions and look at their different styles, but there's one question, just like with the church plants, come to find out, that is far more important than any other. And so it's sort of like standing before a fruit tree. And it could be a tree that's old and ancient. Uh, It could be one that's sort of young and vibrant. Maybe it's a tree that's that's really large, huge. Could be small. Might be one that's a fruit tree that's wild and riotous, or one that's been lovingly, you know, crafted as a topiary. That'd be the kind of fruit tree you'd see here at Artisan. Well, actually, the the dead tree is still out there. That was good to see. Uh, And the Christmas lights, too. Yeah. Does anyone know where Scott Austin is? <laughs> Typical. Um, so, when you stand before those trees, it's great to ask questions about how old is it, how, you know, what's that. The most important question, though, but is it fruitful? And that's what I've been discovering in all my travels. And a question I bring here in the scriptures that we'll look at in a moment but is it fruitful? So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. So God, we thank you that, that uh, we can come before you, we can sit under your word and have it reshape us, that your word can read our lives and know everything that's clear between the lines and hidden. And we just pray that as we look at this Luke chapter 13, and this question, but is it fruitful, that we'll ask it of our own lives, that we'll ask it of the church we're a part of, and that we'll be honest and willing. So by your spirit, open our minds to hear and understand 
uh, move our hearts to, to be moved by you and bend our wills to be responsive and even obedient. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Luke chapter 13 is where we're going to look this morning. And it's in the red Bibles there, if those are out somewhere. It's on page 848. I haven't been able to say that for a while either. In your red Bibles, page 848. I love that Artisan wants people to engage Scripture, but also is a place where those who may not actually know uh, where the book of Luke is, uh, we've got page numbers for you. You're okay. Uh, 848. Just flip there. Luke chapter 13. Uh, I want to start in verse 6 and 7. So Jesus as he does, tells a little story, a parable. And here's how it goes. It says, And Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it. He's asking the question. <laughs> came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, so he says to the gardener, it's like a bad joke, right? This is no joke, people. This is serious. All right, it's a little bit of a joke. But he says to the gardener, uh, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree. And still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? So it's an uplifting scripture, right? I come bringing good news. Cut it down. Uh, if it's not bearing fruit. A little bit harsh, right? But another way of just identifying what's going on there is this thing just taking up space. Have you ever known someone that was just taking up space? <laughs> oh, that was, oh, geez. <laughs> A tough crowd. Uh, <laughs> Now, I don't intend that to necessarily be a mean question, though I should have known better uh, with some of the folks. I hope the new people coming in take a little bit of that edge off of you guys. Just, just or not, No, I, I hope that never happens. Um, but without even being mean, we've had those folks where we've either been family members, friends, or we've seen from a distance, and more times than not, it's, it's rather sad. Kind of pathetic. At the very least, we tend to feel pity for them, if not empathy, though... We'll get to the empathy part. But someone who's not fulfilling why God has put them on this earth, that there's nothing fruitful going on for themselves or others, they're just taking up space. That's, that's sad. You know, and if we're honest and self-examining just a bit, we realize there's times when that's been the case for us as well. And honestly, could be for some right now. That life's not terribly fruitful. By whatever measure you're using, good or bad, you feel like you're just taking up space. Well, let me tell you, there's churches that can fall into that category as well. How do I know this? <laughs> I've been there. Fortunately, not many that I've been to. Nowhere near a majority. But let's say it's more than two in my travels. And that's also sad. To see a church that at some point decided to exist, was called into being, and we presume at some point was fruitful, though it is a presumption, 
And now, it's been not months, not even years. Some of these places I've been, you can count in decades the last time there was real fruitfulness there. And I'm not even talking like the kind you can sort of spiritualize, like, like people have gotten a lot deeper and they really know their Bible well. You know, they haven't grown at all. And I don't want to get in the whole numbers debate, except to say, uh, <laughs> when you use numbers, those are actually people that are being counted. So, you know, if you're, if you're a parent, you have three kids, you go to the store, you come back, and you do a head count, and you come up with two, numbers matter, okay? <laughs> so, so um, <laughs> we, we only have two now. Uh, numbers matter. So, <laughs> so church is just taking up space. And usually what's happened is they've forgotten why they exist. And it's sort of like a fig tree that's growing and is lush, has big leaves, and it provides a wonderful, comfortable place in the shade, which is actually one of the great benefits of fig trees. They're huge. And one of the reasons that a landowner, a master, would plant these is so there could be a shady spot. But that was actually the secondary reason. The main reason was so it would be fruitful, could feed his workers, you know, could, could be sold at market. Uh, you know. And sometimes churches confuse the secondary benefits with their primary calling. And so these churches that have been at, they're just taking up space, often have decided to just aspire to be a comfortable place in the shade. And have lost sight of their calling. So. Still not a very positive uh, <laughs> passage just yet. But the gardener replies. In verse 8. says, the gardener replied. Sir. Let it alone for one more year. Until I dig around it. And put manure on it. <laughs> it's a great picture. That maybe this person, this church, this fig tree just needs the soil turned up and we just need to start throwing crap at it and see what sticks. <laughs> Let it alone for one more year. But it begs the question, are we just wasting time? It's one thing to just take up space. But then to waste time. Well, then other things come into play. And yet this gardener wants her to be grace. And Jesus, this is one of his less subtle parables. You know, some of you don't really know who's who. He has to explain it. But in case you're missing it, the landowner of the master is God the Father, you know, and the gardener is Jesus. Okay, so you've got that one. Uh, Jesus, as the gardener in this parable, is wanting to extend grace. Because perhaps this little fig tree or this big fig tree that's not bearing fruit just needs some extra attention. Because some people, at least they tell me this in some churches, if you just, if you just pay more attention to me, uh, I just need more attention. I just need more. I'm just, I'm just a bit needy and need your attention right now. Well, then things would turn around. Then, if you just give me more attention. So maybe that's what's going on. So digging around a tree, putting manure around it uh, to fertilize it, those were common gardening practices back in first century Palestine, except for fig trees. Actually, for fig trees, that was pretty rare. Because one of the reasons a, a landowner, a master, would pick a fig tree was it didn't need to be coddled. It didn't need all this extra attention. It was a robust, uh, hardy tree. 
It bore fruit when there wasn't much water. It, it put down roots. It got big. You just, it just did its thing. There might be a lesson in there for followers of Christ and those gathered as churches that, that if you need a lot of extra attention, then that is a sign that truly some things have gone awry. But maybe it just needs some extra attention. And perhaps it does need some extra time. I mean, what do you know about fig trees, right? Now you sound like a Jewish grandmother. What, what do I know from figs? Uh, three years? Is that good, bad? I don't know. So maybe it just needs a little more time. And this is one that I definitely get. Uh, even from churches that could be decades and decades old. It, does, it doesn't matter whether it's a decades old church or a few months to years old church plant. Sometimes they just want more time. And that can be appropriate. That can be valuable, worthwhile. But what's the deal with this tree? Because maybe three years is reasonable. Except this tree is probably not just three years old. If you, if you read carefully, it's just when he's been coming looking for fruit. But then if you know kind of the Jewish law. According to Leviticus chapter 19, 23 through 25. And most of you have this memorized, but... I'll just paraphrase. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Leviticus 19, and Leviticus has all these, from our modern perspective, crazy laws about don't wear, you know, 50-50 poly you know, blends and cotton poly blends. I can't even say the word. Definitely don't eat shrimp cocktail. There's other little more controversial ones that I'm not going to preach on today, but it's in the archives at Artisan. You can go see those ones. Um, but in Leviticus 19, 23-25, it says that fruit from newly planted trees was not to be eaten for the first three years. And then in the fourth year, all of the fruit that was harvested was to be an offering to the Lord, was to go to the temple to, uh, or, or the tabernacle when they were wandering in the wilderness to, to provide for the priests and maybe for the priests to use uh, as food for those in need. And so more than likely, this guy is showing up year five, no fruit. Still, year six, Nada. Year seven, cut it down. This is where we've arrived at. But wait, there's more. Sound like a bad infomercial now. Um, for the, two for the price of one is what we're going to get. Because actually, the fruit-bearing cycle of fig trees is twice a year. They have a smaller harvest and kind of the equivalent of springtime. And then that would give you an indication of what the later harvest would be but it has a, a kind of a smaller, less robust harvest, but it's there, and then a larger one later on in the year. So we're talking 14 cycles, no fruit. How old is it? Seven years. How many? But is it fruitful? Is it big? Does it have big green, green leaves? Great. But is it fruitful? So more time. <laughs> Maybe just wasting time. And yet the master, the owner, he's willing. Well, let me ask this first. What is the downside to letting something continue too long? So let's just keep it here with the fig tree. What's the downside to this landowner letting this continue for much longer? Go ahead. Can't plant another tree, fig or otherwise, back there? It 
sucks nutrients. <laughs> Anyone know this person? It just sucks, sucks the life out of the, the soil around it, perhaps. Uh, yeah, this isn't, just, this, is, this isn't just for free. You know, this guy's, you know, dig it up, manure. Uh, you know, that stuff isn't cheap. You've got you to you gather it, especially the organic stuff. Um, though that's mostly what they had back then. That takes some time, right? All right. How about, if I can be so bold as to apply this spiritual truth to churches, what's the downside to churches taking up space and wasting time if they're allowed to just continue? So the the people that they're called to care for will maybe led astray because good care is probably not happening there. So who knows what could, crazy stuff starts happening. Um, Yeah. They've already proven they're ineffective. So so those who need to hear God's word, and that's why this particular church exists, that's not happening. There's people going hungry, literally and spiritually, because of lack of fruitfulness in that one church. Tim. Their blight may carry over to something else behind me. Yeah. So I I pause there because this is a sad one, that the surrounding community sees this church as a negative. Question, I kind of know the answer to this one because I actually was at Artisan for a while. Um, would these neighbors around here and these neighborhood associations and groups be sad if Artisan Church disappeared? But is it fruitful? Is the question. So there is consequences. But, but, the gardener, who again, Jesus isn't being super subtle here. It's him. All right? That's the answer to the test. Jesus. Jesus is the gardener in the parable. Uh, he says there in verse 9, or, or so he asks for this grace to be extended, and then, and then the owner, kind of God the Father in the, in the imagery there, says to this request for grace and extension of grace, if it bears fruit next year, well and good. And that's where we, you know, Luke 13, 9a. <laughs> We'd like that to be the verse, right? If it bears fruit next year, well and good. Uh, part B, but if not, you can cut it down. If it bears fruit, well and good. If not, cut it down. And we find out that Jesus, God in the flesh, is a God of just one more chance. And so it's harsh, and as much as there's an edge to this, there's hope and there's grace. It's just one more chance. In fact, even the way if you read very carefully, it didn't say, if it doesn't bear fruit, cut it down. It actually left it a little open-ended. You can cut it down. And if you kind of read on, what happens to this fig tree? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's left open-ended. So, just one more chance. And sometimes that's all we need. Just one more chance. You don't need to raise your hand, but how many of us in this room are grateful that we got just one more chance? 
And then how many are grateful that when you blew it, because most of you did, because you're like me, (laughs) then you still got just one more chance. And we can thank God that when we were taking up space and wasting his time, he gave us just one more chance. Now, I'm not sure that applies nearly as directly to churches, however. So here's where it gets a little nuanced. Uh, But do these chances ever run out? That's a great question. Bit of a debate going on now in the evangelical world. Is there always just one more chance? I don't have a very clear answer to that, but it seems like they may, if I could be so bold and and weaselly. Apparently, there comes a point where those chances run out. And the way I read that is not so much that God stops offering them as in it becomes pointless. And that at some point, we have so decided not to receive grace that that's just the state. And that's the way it is. And to keep imposing and imposing and imposing is what that becomes, imposition, uh, then denies the freedom God gives us as individuals and as churches. And so it seems like there's a sense where we can just be done. But if you're here, that's at least not today. That's some good news. And so where is this all going? How can we wrap this up? Why would I bring this cheerful uh, parable uh, to a church I love dearly? Uh, and these tales of, again, mostly great experiences. I love my new role. I hesitate to call it a job because it's not a job if you love it. I love what I do. And yet there's some pieces of it that give me pause and at the very least should be a cautionary tale for others. And you tell your friends. You warn them. But let's ask the hard question here about artisan. It's going to get real serious. But is it fruitful? Now, here's why I think this is an encouraging message, or can be. <laughs> Who knows how I pulled it off? Uh, everyone's going home depressed. Glad Scott's coming back, and, and Mike is here. Glad we got rid of him. Jason. Uh, There's fruitfulness here. Now, it doesn't mean you don't keep asking the question. But there's history here. And when it comes to fruitfulness, past performance is an indicator of future returns. And so Artisan can look at its history. And now going into seven years, and arguably about 14 growth cycles. I don't know that Jesus intended that with a parable, but you know, nonetheless, sort of spring Easter time, which you're coming into, that tends to be time of harvest and outreach, though a little bit smaller scale in some ways or different than what can happen then in the fall. I, I sort of like the analogy. But we can look at what's gone on here at Artisan. And for those who are very, very new, it's probably good to be reminded or, or have these tales told. But there's stories of life change. There's people in this room right now that were not followers of Jesus before coming and being embraced and sitting in the comfortable welcoming shade because that is a very important secondary reason for a church to exist there just better be fruit there also uh, and the families that have been impacted the neighborhoods uh, 
that have been blessed. But just in the last couple months, Scott was sharing with me. We try to connect every once in a great while. I wish life was not so busy. But here's some fruitfulness that you can measure here and be encouraged by. The past couple months, at one worship gathering, you know, been averaging roughly 100 people, which we used to think was impossible to do in this building for any length of time, which is why at different seasons we've had two, and then if you want to talk over drinks, we can tell you about when we tried three services still. <laughs> oh my gosh, just, to, just about killed this church. Uh, or the church just about killed you know, pastors. With occasional peaks into the 130s. And so in my role, I pay attention to numbers. Why? Because they're people. Uh, and 100 people, let me do the math, it's 20 more than 80 people. Uh, it's 50 more than 50 people, and it's 100 more than zero people. Those are really precious numbers. That's fruitfulness. Uh, finances. In my role, I've got to pay attention to that stuff. Uh, and if you don't think financial things are spiritual... You either haven't read scripture very carefully or paid attention. Because <laughs> if you want to know where someone is spiritually, look at how they budget, spend, if they're generous or not. And if you want to know if a church is healthy, how does it do those things too? If an artisan has a rich and fruitful. Is there more to do? I'm sure. Uh, good stuff's been going on. Last couple months, I think you guys have gone past whatever, you know, fantasy budget we tried to establish before I left last spring. That was, here's what we think God's calling us to do. We need these resources. We pray and hope it happens. We've exceeded it. Uh, that's pretty cool. You know what else? Above and beyond that, working another water project here during this season of Lent. That's fruitfulness. And so, a couple weeks ago, Scott asks people to stand up. Oh, that's my time. Is that or someone just got high score? Uh, <laughs> shaming is not, you should not shame people over. Yeah, my, my ringer's off too, good. Uh, two weeks ago, Scott asked folks to stand up. Not in like some generic, do you wish your life was a little better? Um, you know, one of those, you know, it was a call to a new stage in spiritual life, they felt God was calling them. And 15 people stood up and kind of publicly declared that they wanted their life to be more fruitful. That's powerful. That's 15%, uh, I suppose. Still stuck on the numbers. Um, it's 15 people. And so you should be encouraged uh, by what's going on here. And this scripture passage that I felt somewhat compelled to bring today is at worst uh, just a cautionary tale. I think at best it's an encouragement that at least for now this passage isn't about artisans. So keep being fruitful and it never will be. Uh, ask that question. I trust that even greater fruitfulness uh, lies ahead for artisan church. Uh, not because it's some kind of wishful thing that I'm gone now and I just hope. I, I actually, I said to some folks, you know, there's tons of new people here that I, I don't know. I've heard all the great things going on. That's part of it. If Artisan had not changed since I had left, I would be very, very sad. 
Because then I think I could have said, why are you just taking up space? Why are you wasting time? And that has not been the case. I'm encouraged. You should be encouraged. Uh, I think greater fruitfulness lies ahead because I know from my travels, I'm not quite an expert just yet. But I don't think it's boasting to say, I've got a clue about what it takes for a church to be fruitful, even more so than I thought I knew before. Those pieces are in place here. This is a place that is just, the potential is huge. And the people involved, which is already part of the fruitfulness. I know your pastors, Scott and Mike. I know your leadership team. Uh, you guys haven't changed that yet, right? That's, no, that'll be in a month or so. <laughs> I know the folks who have been here for a short amount of time and long amount of time. And just seeing new people lets me know there's fruitfulness. So, I'm encouraged, and I wanted you to be as well. Even if there's a slight edge to that passage, which I don't mind pointing out, by the way. I think you should be encouraged. And so Proverbs 27, verse 18, kind of gives this, this picture. It says, anyone who tends a fig tree will eat its fruit. Those who take on the task of seeing the fruitfulness, they themselves will also benefit. But then the last half of that is even more important. And anyone who takes care of a master will be honored. If this remains the church that sees everything they do through the lens of, does it serve Christ? We'll do well. We'll do well. And then, wherever you take on in the coming months, whatever projects, plans, people are involved, um, you will not stray far. If you always return to this question, but is it fruitful? As you decide that one service, I'm gonna, at Easter you're going to do a little experiment I heard, 9.30 and 11.30, because we found out 9, nine o'clock doesn't work. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> you're going to do a little two-service thing there? Because you guys, you're out of, you're, not only you, you're not taking up space, you're out of space. So a little Easter experiment there? Well, if spring is a hint of the fall, just know there's a good chance some things may change. Um, ask the question, but is it fruitful? Is staying at one service fruitful? Is going to two fruitful? As you look at bringing new leaders and leadership team, as you look at uh, new ministries to start, some to perhaps conclude, here's your question, but is it fruitful? And if you're asking that, no worries. That's my suspicion. And so with that, let's bring it to a close. And I love that at Artisan, it's an ancient tradition that's been kept here of making sure there's room to respond every week. And the way we do that here, I'm slipping into old pronouns, uh, the way you guys do it here, because it's the way we used to do it here, it's the way you'll keep doing it, <laughs> is the Lord's table open every Sunday. And it's open in the sense that all are invited to partake, to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's open in that sense. Should everyone go to the table? Perhaps not. 
It doesn't mean it's not open. And so that may be a place for you to respond. And as you do, here's a communion meditation uh, from the prophet Zechariah, who in looking ahead saw this coming day when the kingdom of God would be fully consummated and all would be made right. In Zechariah 3, chapter 10, it says, In that day, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit under your vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. And so it's this future promise that you'll invite others to taste and see and be part of what this kingdom that Jesus is breaking through and breaking forth. And what does Christ tell us? As he walked amongst us, as he's launched us as churches, he says the kingdom of God is where? At hand. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is among you. And so this is a picture of what you start now, because this has been inaugurated, even if it hasn't been fully consummated. And so there's nothing more fruitful you could do than invite others to the very Jesus uh, that you partake in. That would be fruitful too. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you're a God of... uh, wasted time and space. That you extend grace time and again. You give just one more chance, just one more time, and just one more time again. And that because of that, not, no, not just a few, not just many, but all of us are here still drawing breath. Some who have responded to that grace in profound ways and now seek to serve and be fruitful on your behalf, uh, encourage and strengthen them even more to greater fruitfulness. To those who aren't yet followers of Jesus, let them ask the question as well. My life apart from Christ, how's it going? Do I enjoy it? Is it all it should be? But let them get to the important question. But is it fruitful? And if you grab a hold of them, may they respond of receiving you. And as we go to the table, God, we thank you that We don't come to receive because we've done something that earns it. We don't come grasping, but we come gratefully, hands open, to tear the bread, that sacrament of the broken body of Jesus, to dip it in the wine of the juice, that cup in the new covenant with his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins and for the sins of many. And we take and eat as a means of grace as nutrient, as nourishment, as lifeblood that helps us be fruitful. It's in that attitude and posture that we prepare ourselves for the Lord's table. And it's in that way we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The table is open. A couple stations there. Don't feel like you have to line up. Continue worshiping as God leads you. If there's those who want to kind of talk to someone, pray, um, I know that's always available. I'll make it explicit. I'll hang out back there. You may know others you could talk and pray with, but uh, that offer is available. Uh, Respond as God leads you.
This has been the Artisan Church Podcast. To receive future podcasts, go to www.artisanchurch.com/podcast or subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for listening.